FM, KKFI, Kansas City, Community Radio. Streaming online at www.kkfi.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Story, sad story now. Still waiting for the truth to be told now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It won't be long now, now. Won't be long. Heard the news, heard your rivers all run dry. And on TV, I see missiles in your Word is out, loud whispering for we know. Boy, angels turn mercenaries coming in thousands from
90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donna Morrow-Wolf. Our very special guest in studio today is Bird Ellington Fleming, Executive Director and Founder of Traditional Music Society. Welcome back to Urban Connections and KKFI, Bird. Thank you for having me, Donna. Uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, have you here with me. You usually come with a group of uh, musicians and dancers, dancers, and and revel us with uh, song and dance live in studio. But we never get to uh, hear your whole story when we have all those. Uh, uh, members of your groups, various groups, joining us in studio. So I wanted to take the opportunity today uh, to let Kansas City uh, know more about you, uh, Bird Fleming, and uh, the work that you do with the Traditional Music Society. So a little bit of bio, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> You've been in Kansas City for quite some time, but uh, yeah. where do you hail from? Uh, originally from Washington, D.C. I call it D.C., the dumb city. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay, we're getting political already. But <laughs> already. <laughs> What's two D.C.'s, you know? Yeah? It's the political, and then it's the residential, mm-hmm. the folks. The folks. People don't know that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so you, I'm from the folk side. You're, you're from the folk side. <laughs> yeah. You got nothing to do with the uh, yeah. political oh, side. Yeah. No, not, nothing to do with Capitol Hill. But uh, it's a very, and growing up, you know, I was really exposed to a lot of the cultures from around the world because D.C. is a very cosmopolitan city. Mm-hmm. So as a youngster, I was always exposed to the Hispanic community, the African community, the Haitian community, the Cuban community, et cetera, et cetera, and the Brazilian community, because there was an area uh, that uh, had uh, residents from all these uh, cultures. It was called Calorama Road or Mont Pleasant, and uh, that's where you had all of these. And they all, at one point, would play in the parks. Outdoors in the park, park. Rock Creek Park. Yeah, and so, yeah, they were, uh, it was always a Saturday or Sunday. I could all go to a park, in particular a place called uh, Malcolm X Park. Originally it was called Meridian Park. Mm -hmm. And there was an era during the early 70s, there was a big Pan-African movement for the liberation of West African and African countries that was spearheaded by African Americans, I found out later. Mm-hmm. But people like SNCC and NAACP and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Panthers and uh, the Deacons of Defense and leaders like Amir Baraka and Stokely Carmichael and all those people were gathering at Howard University during that era. Okay, what a rich environment yeah. to be in. And, uh, and just like all across the country, you know, there was a political move, you know, with the Vietnam War and the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Power Movement and Malcolm everybody, X and yeah, and everybody yeah. was fighting for, you know, black studies on the campuses and rights this and rights, you know. 
So even though Howard was a black college, they were fighting for, you know, the right to you know have you know, proper education and black studies themselves. They mm -hmm. were taking over the administration building just like a lot of the white universities. Mm -hmm. And out of that came this effort, the Pan-African effort, to actually help countries in Africa to get their independence. So African Liberation Day, when I found out later, was spearheaded by these African Americans, not the Africans. Mm -hmm. So they would have these uh, conferences and meetings and classes up at the university, and they would all march from the university up to Malcolm X Park. Mm -hmm. And that's where the cultural end of the expression started. So you had uh, Africans with their drums and their bells and their sings, songs and dances, and it was a huge crowd. So Malcolm X Park spearheaded what they call African Liberation Day for several years, starting in the mid-70s. So that's when I was exposed to a lot of the authentic African uh, drumming. Uh, and uh, But prior to that, I used to be able to see the Cubans and the Brazilians and the Puerto Ricans play in other smaller parks. Now, not too long after that, you made your way to Kansas City, Missouri, where I met you. Yes. <laughs> you were a drummer then, yeah, right? Right. And playing in a soul band. You're right. <laughs> I've played it all. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the guy who was uh, in charge of that was Steve Hedricks. That was Steve. Our friend, yeah, yeah, who I'm still, I still keep in touch with Steve. No more. Oh, boy. Yeah. And him and I were uh, undergrad buddies at Park College. Okay. So prior to me meeting you, him and I had spent time at Park. Okay. And uh, so we were like fish out of water in Park. <laughs> he came from Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and I came from D.C. And at that time, Park College, it's now Park University now. It is. Uptown. Okay. It is. The total population of their, the total enrollment of their school was less than my population of my graduate class. I can imagine. <laughs> it might have been, you know, let's see, the population of Parkville might have been less than that of your <laughs> graduate that class. Too, yeah, so I think, my, you know, they had about total enrollment at uh, Park at the time was maybe about 500. Mm -hmm. And uh, Beautiful campus. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It still yeah, is. Oh, yeah, indeed. Beautiful view of the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my the year I went... They on the year we got there, there were only three blacks on campus. Now, how did you choose Park College, Bird? Coming from Park, kind of chose me, and I'll tell you how. Okay. <laughs> so that year I went as a freshman was a year that they had the most freshmen to enroll in one year at any time at Park. Mm -hmm. So there was forty of us that came on this campus. Wow. And <laughs> they had never seen that many black folks. <laughs> Ever, wow. at one time. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the culture shock for them and for us. Mm -hmm. But it was a great experience. Crazy experience, but it was great. You know, because I, Park had this thing where they had a lot of international students. And so still. For, yeah, still. I guess mm -hmm. that's part of, maybe part of their mission. Yeah. First time I met anybody from Ethiopia, mm -hmm. from Trinidad, or Jamaica. Samoa. Yeah, Saudi yeah. Arabia, yeah. you know. So that was an exposure, you know, and so it was, it was, it was really a good cultural exchange in that respect. But Steve was a part of that forty that came mm -hmm. <laughs> with me, and um, he he was always a singer, mm -hmm. always sang. Uh, he was a great voice. You know, and he played trumpet too. I didn't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So 
And he, we had a band out there before we met you before after we after we all graduated. But we had a at the, that was the beginnings of my African drumming experience. Was at Park. It wasn't in D.C. Even okay. though I grew up there, mm-hmm. I witnessed a lot of African drumming and dancing. But I didn't start playing until I got to college. As such, mm-hmm. and I played in D.C. a little bit. But as far as formalizing my art form, it was at Park. And we had a group called Asile Mauno, which is uh, Swahili for natural feelings. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so this is, uh, <clears throat> grant you now, this is six days, 69s. And we had a West African drum and dance ensemble that toured the Midwest. And Park sponsored us. 78, <laughs> 79. 68, okay. 69. Okay. Right. I'm dating myself. All right. All right. And <laughs> because I met you in 78. It must have been 78, 79. Yes, exactly. Okay. Almost 10 years later. Yeah, okay. So and st- I stayed in touch with Steve, and that's how I met you through Steve. But our group was interesting because we had a lady named... So the African dance part was something that was brought to the group by a lady named Diane Bradley. She was from D.C. Mm-hmm. And she was a dancer. She took classes at Howard doing mm-hmm. that whole political, cultural exchange. And she worked with uh, um, Alvin Ailey Dance Company mm-hmm. in, 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 in D.C. DC. So she learned a lot of African dance steps, you know, and, 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 and expressions, et cetera. So she choreographed a piece called the uh, Sun Goddess Dance. And we had a guy from uh, D.C. His name was Michael Chen. He, he was the sun god, so we were, and the whole choreography was centered around you praising the sun god, and we had we were in line cloths, and we had torches and stuff, and we had a whole storyline, yeah. run through the audience with torches and stuff, you know, screaming, yelling, <laughs> went on stage, we did this choreography, and then we would later on have an Afro-Cuban, African-Latin jazz band mm-hmm. that came on after that. Okay. It's all part of Asile Mauno. So (laughs) you were actually doing then, that was the genesis of what you're doing now now with Traditional Music Society here in Kansas City. The seed was planted way back then in the day. A lot of people don't know that. Well, it's the real deal. Now they know. I'm so (laughs) glad. They don't know that. And it was unprecedented because during that era, we didn't have the uh, knowledge we have now in terms of African drumming and dancing like we have now. I mean, then we didn't have internet. Mm-hmm. We didn't have phones. We didn't have master drummers from Africa teaching us, et cetera. So what we did then was out of our own feelings and what we felt was African, you know, is, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, we listened how, to- How yeah. close were you? We were very close. Okay. We listened to a lot of records. Okay. This <laughs> is <laughs> a lot of, but my point was that when I, years, I, I, I re- got back in touch with Diane Bradley, the mm-hmm. lady who choreographed that, just here recently, mm-hmm. and we hadn't talked since then. Wow. And I wanted to find out, Diane, where did you get those steps from? Where did you get that choreography from? She said at Howard University. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Another, uh, reason why historically black colleges and universities are so important um, in this country because of what they bring, the the rich Mm -hmm. cultural connections that they Mm -hmm. build in students. Yeah, right. Well, she 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 went to a private school, but she took college credits in the summer Mm -hmm. at at Howard, and that's when she was exposed to the dance. 
through Alvin Ailey. And Alvin Ailey had a connection with Catherine Dunham mm -hmm. in New York. Mm -hmm. So all the Ailey dancers knew Dunham's technique, mm -hmm. which is African-oriented. Mm -hmm. So Diane took some of that and brought it to Asili Mauna at Park. Okay. And then, so, now Steve never played with us, even though he wanted us. He wanted to play with the jazz group. Mm -hmm. he, would always, we make, he makes fun of us about that. He thought we was ostracizing him, you know, because oh, he wanted he to play trumpet. <laughs> He wasn't that good a trumpet player. That was the point. Okay. <laughs> but we had a guy, we had a guy named Mark Davis who played the flute from Kansas City, Kansas. He was really good. We had a guy named uh, uh, Freddie. I forgot Freddie's name. He's from Kansas City. can't play saxophone. Uh, and we had a guy from New York, a Jewish guy named uh, 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 Jerry Goldman. Mm -hmm. And then we had a guy named Danny Chandler from uh, Cincinnati play the keyboards. And uh, then we had two percussionists, myself and Thomas Mosley, playing the congas. Okay. So we did like Sun Ra, we did Pharaoh Saunders, we did Santana, all the Latin Afro, you know. So it was very unprecedented, very, very, you would never expect that during that era at that time mm -hmm. on a college campus. And we, had the school. In Parkville, Missouri. Yeah, Parkville, Missouri, at that. So we had the school. They uh, they let us borrow their their uh, station wagon for all our equipment. <laughs> <laughs> we booked gigs in St. Louis. Wow. At Tokyo. Okay. And Wichita. Mm -hmm. And Topeka. And we were on the road. All right. <laughs> so, so out of that experience, you know, uh, it really it stayed with me after I left Park. You know, and after I left Park, I went back to D.C. And, of course, Steve graduated. I dropped out because I wanted to be a professional musician, and school was holding me back. Okay. Now, fast forward, later on, I finished up my degrees, okay? Okay, <laughs> okay. Right. But at the time, you know, was, you, know you you got to find yourself. <laughs> of course. Have you, have you told your kids this, What's, what? that you dropped out of um, college and everything they know they know okay. they know the whole story mm -hmm. they don't know they'll know now because on the air <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i'm just saying yeah so but it was a great in the fact that i was able to when i and i'm you know time is interesting in that you know one thing happened because of something else if you know what i'm saying yeah so had if that not had not happened i would have never gone back to dc to really meet those master drummers okay you know so a bad thing happened for a good situation. Absolutely. So when I was in D.C., and I think uh, I began to uh, uh, play professionally, and at that point I began to gather knowledge from master drummers from Africa and Cuba and whatnot. But most of my knowledge, my knowledge came from uh, people who, African Americans who actually studied from master drummers and dancers in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, which is a huge cultural. Oh my uh, gosh. Mecca. Yes. African American. And it rivals New York mecca. in terms of that mm -hmm. culture. So the guy named Dennis Lee, he came from Philly. He was going to school at Federal City College, taking some extra courses. He was at Cheney Cheney State somewhere in Philadelphia. He would come down. Another guy named Simbo Wushu. He was both of them from Philly. The Philly Dogs, I call them. Okay. Incredible drummers, but Simbo organized the group I was in in D.C. at the time called Elu. So it was all percussion, singing, and drumming. What is Elu? Elu means drum in Yoruba. Okay. Elu Anya, the spirit of the drum. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. 
So Elu was a training ground for me because all, it was all about studying this music, all about learning the rhythms and the meanings and, what, and uh, uh, where it was from and the history, et cetera, et cetera. So I began to like be more of a student than anything, even though we had gigs, we started performing or not. Uh, and I think at one point, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> at one point coming back to KC is when I met Steve, and so I was, you know, I was able to, oh, I think I met Steve after I did the, the San Francisco Mecca. That's what happened. Okay. Yeah, so in between leaving Park in D.C., I went to California and came back and came to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. I spent three years in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah, after the D.C. deal with Elu. Mm -hmm. Three years in San Francisco studying African and, and Haitian and Brazilian music. Then I came and I said, what am I going to do now? Still finding myself. I had the drum, though. It was good. Yeah. So I said, well... I wanted to go somewhere. I actually want, I didn't want to go back home. I didn't want to go to D.C. I thought about going to Atlanta where my mom was, but I had a daughter here in Kansas City. So I said, I'm coming back to see her grow okay. and raise her. And I came back, and for that reason, I think everything opened out for me because that's when I started playing with Steve, and that's when I started f getting students to teach students African drumming and dancing and whatnot. And then uh, one thing led to another. Those particular students became proficient enough to perform in different groups. And that's when uh, I create, I was part of a group called the Center for World Music. Mm -hmm. And that lasted for about three years. And that was the template for traditional music society because both of these are not-for-profit cultural arts organizations mm -hmm. devoted to exposing the community ethnic music and dance from around the world. It's kind of interesting, Bird, um, why you chose the road that you did as opposed to, you know, being a, a for-profit entity that makes music to sell it and, and perform in Carnegie Hall or, or, <laughs> or, or whatever. What grounds you to, to, the, to the community and to teaching well, I think it comes from the, the, the genre that I'm in. Uh, you know, I'm not in, the, I'm not in the jazz world, and I'm not in the rock and roll world, and I'm not in the hip hop world, and I'm not in the house world, and I'm not. Those are more commercially oriented entities mm -hmm. in music. Mm-hmm. You know, for sure. And a lot of times, you know, it's like you hear today, you're gone tomorrow. That Especially too. if you're in the pop world, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so I said, this is more lasting. You follow me? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like I compare it to the jazz world. You know, jazz musicians not worried about going platinum. You know, no. And such they, they. Herbie Hancock made a good statement about that. He says we're not worried about accolades and rewards. We get them. People mm -hmm. give them to us and we're not worried about that. We're worried about the music and what it does for people. Mm. And this ethnic or this traditional music, you know, it it does things for people that other genres cannot do. Okay. 
Let's talk about what it does for people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, okay. we'll, we'll continue our conversation with Bird Fleming, founder and executive director of the traditional Music Society, I'll call it Kansas City's own <laughs> traditional <laughs> music uh, society, whose winter concert is happening um, on December 2nd, featuring the music of Amado, Amado Espinoza and Kimberly Guansanali's Middle Eastern Dance. Uh, along with the Middle East in Motion Ensemble. We talk about what that is, too, coming up in the next segment. So please stay tuned to 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Urban Connections will be back right after these messages. This is M.C. Richardson, chairman of the United Minority Media Association, inviting you to participate in Yuma's 50th anniversary, Saturday, December the 2nd, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Bruce O. Watkins Cultural Heritage Center, 3700 Blue Parkway, KCMO, workshops, presentations, and awards, plus a luncheon. For more information and donations, call 816-694-2273. What may have originated as a day of prayer and gratitude became something very different in the 20th century. Because Thanksgiving was constructed during an era of fear of immigration, instead of the image of Thanksgiving being everyone bringing their own traditions, it was, this is the American way to be. That's next time on Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Inspired airs every Sunday at 5 a.m. or anytime on the KKFI two-week archive.
90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Urban Connections is the program. I'm your host, Donna Wolf. Our guest in studio today, Bird Ellington Fleming, the artistic director and founder of the Traditional Music Society that's always taken us on these dynamic journeys through music and dance from multiple world cultures. I want to ask you about um, Elu, the spirit of music, that Yoruba phrase that, that, that means the spirit of music. And, the drum. And the spirit of the drum. Mm-hmm. Please talk about the spirit of the drum, which is such a huge part of what traditional music society shares with the world. Right. Well, you know, uh, I'm a student of, particularly mostly involved in Afro-Cuban drumming and uh, folklore and spirituality. And even though I'm, I study other styles of, of ethnic music, you know, West African, Malenki, Djembe drumming and dun-dun drumming, and then Brazilian samba music, et cetera, and Haitian music, you know. And, uh, but Afro-Cuban music is really... Uh, uh, the deep ocean of knowledge because, you know, with the secular music out of Cuba, you have rumba, wawako, you have mambo, you know, conga, all the Latin stuff, you know, all the Latin jazz and all the salsa come out of a lot of the contemporary, a lot of the, you know, secular music, you know, the social stuff, you mm-hmm. know, the carnival stuff and dance stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you get on the other side of the coin, you get into the secular music, which is the religious part of, 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 of the drumming expression in Cuba. And there's a religion, a religious expression called uh, Lukumi. Uh, and we commonly know it as Santeria. Santeria is a Spanish term for saints. And, but uh, the, the origins of this expression of this religion goes back to the Yoruba culture in Nigeria. And that comes from a whole pantheon of deities that were part of the uh, legends uh, <clears throat> and the uh, of uh, the the Yoruba people is founded on the Orishas, the saints. All these uh, these are uh, uh, patron saints that represent certain natural forces in the world. Uh, you know, these pantheon of deities. There's probably about 600 by the time. Wow. Yeah. By the time that particular religion came with the slaves, unfortunately, to Cuba, there's 350 of these deities. And these deities are part of uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the Yoruba tradition uh, dating back uh, pre-Christian era. And uh, we know them, uh, and these are things that uh, the, the Yoruba people are part of their culture because of their respect for nature and they're living in harmony. So to appease and to honor these, uh, these particular deities who are associated with different kind of phenomena, natural phenomena in the world, keeps them in tune with the universe. Okay, so for example, you have the major, what we call the seven African powers, and these are deities, I mean, or, you know, Elegba, which is the, the, uh, the deity of the crossroads and uh, destiny and, uh, uh, you know, fate. You know things that we encounter in life as humans. Then we have Yemanya, 
That's a female deity. She is the uh, the uh, represents uh, maternity and represents uh, motherhood. It represents the ocean. Her colors are white, like the ocean and, and white. Da, da, da. And you have uh, Ogun, which is a powerful uh, god, a deity of iron and metal and anything uh, farm tools and anything of that nature. So that's a that's the that's Ogun, and then you have another female deity, Oshun. She represents sensuality and love, and her colors are, are you know, yellow and gold, and you know she's a really go lucky, so happy kind of deity. Then you have Oya, another deity of of, of the of the storms, of hurricanes. You have Shango. He's the god and the deity of thunder and lightning and fire. You know. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have the seven, and there's one, and, and people have this misconception that these are, these things are worshiped. They're not. They're honored because mm -hmm. Africans have a supreme being that they recognize. Mm -hmm. Okay. But every culture you have in terms of the religious expression have intermediaries. Mm -hmm. Like Mary. It go betweens. Go between. You yeah. know the rosary. Mm -hmm. That's the go between. Mm -hmm. You know. You know. Mm -hmm. You have saints. You know. You have. You know. You know. A preacher could be a go between. Right. You know. Yeah. So it's nothing new for that. But people, you know, because you know, and this is the deal. And my my teacher, uh, Bill Summers. You met Bill. I did. He says an interesting thing about the fact that that this whole slave trade was a whole effort to really take our spirituality away. Mm. Because that's how you suppress people. That's how you control them, <laughs> you know? You take their name away, you break their families up, but most important, you take their religion away. Mm. And this taking away of religion and, 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 by, and, and empowering uh, conquistadors and, and uh, pirates to take people out of, and put them in bondage, mm -hmm. and put them in another language, mm -hmm. all this was sanctioned by the church. Yes, yes. It was sanctioned by the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. All the explorers, I don't care if it was Columbus or Magellan or any of them clowns, mm -hmm. they had to go to the Pope to get permission to do what they yes. do. So Pope or said, yes. The, the king yeah. or the queen of Spain. Or yes, whatever. they had to go there. Mm -hmm. And the Pope justified it. Why? Because he said that the Africans were heathens. Mercy. Pagans. So that justified it. And so all of what they took away has been actually preserved through Lukumi uh -huh. and Santeria. Okay. See? So that's why you see these brothers who are part of this culture, this Afro-Cuban expression, are preserving something that they don't want us to have. Uh-huh. Must be yeah. really, really um, <laughs> powerful. It is. It is. Yeah. They don't Just want like... You know, they didn't want you to know how to read. And exactly. They, yeah, and they didn't want you to have that spiritual power to mm -hmm. make you really supermen and superwomen. Yeah. That's what it does for you. Yeah. So Bill and I have conversations about this a lot. So I'm a, I am not a, I'm not a, uh, 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 initiate of the, of Santa Dia, mm -hmm. or look at me. I love the music. Mm -hmm. Um. But I wanted to carry it on through studying the music so I can teach people about it because it's an educational thing. That's what TMS is all about, arts and education. Mm -hmm. So African Americans and the world need to know about this expression that's embedded in the music, you know. And that's why 
I, 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 the Silu is, it comes out of Yoruba. And when a drummer who studies the religion of the Lukumi, he makes Ilu Anya. He becomes initiated into the spirit of the drum. And there's a particular set of drums called the Bata drums. There's three of them, hourglass-shaped drums that came out of Yoruba. The rhythms of these Bata's, it's probably thousands of rhythms and a lot of them are associated with the particular deity. So all these deity has a series of rhythms that you gotta play when you honor them. Mm-hmm. And, a, and, and a person who's a, who goes into learning these the rhythms on the bata, it's like getting a doctor, it's like being a doctor or philosopher or, you know, it, it is very intense. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of memory. And it's a lot of responsibility because you're carrying on a tradition, you're carrying on something that's really, uh, that uh, that's sacred, you know, and so in studying with these people, they are like Bill is a Babalao, so he's a Yoruba priest. Okay. So he not only knows all of the rhythms and all the songs, but he can actually give you readings. Interesting. You know, so being with him, and I think because he's African-American, because he's gone so far, and it's very, I can count the number of African-Americans who've done this on my three fingers, mm-hmm. and Bill is one of them. Amazing. So, he, so he's taken me in his wings, you know, and not put me in a position to say, well, you've got to be a part of religion before you play that. Now, the Cubans used to do that. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. They used to do it. Why are you playing Bataj? You don't have it, Lou, yeah. you don't know anything about that. You shouldn't be playing it. There's horror stories about brothers who've gone to Cuba and try to learn that they come back. You find them floating inside inside their drums in, wow. in, in the waters off of Miami. Wow. I have horror stories about the Cubans. Now, it's a little different now, mm-hmm. but the horror Cubans back in the day didn't want African-Americans learning this culture or learning this. But we say, hey, no, no, no. And then one of my teachers, Simbo, said, we got to let these people from Brazil and from Haiti and from... And, and let these Africans know that this music is just as much as ours as it is theirs. Theirs, yeah. The diaspora yeah. includes us and all. I, and, I, and I have some brothers in the United States can can drum some Africans under the table around the corner and back. Okay. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And they know that. I mm-hmm. got a couple of them right now, you know. I got, I got a couple of drummers in my group that I yeah. can put up with getting Africans. Speaking of the group, okay, we're going to take our last break. Mm-hmm. We come back. Am I talking too much? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Time flies uh, when wisdom is uh, being shared like this. And thank you so much for being here, Bird Fleming Traditional Music Society. We will continue our conversation and hear some of that drumming right after these messages. Tune in every Saturday at 5 p.m. for Changing Narratives, a program hosted by me, Brother Jack. Join me for interviews and discussions that will be informative and entertaining. While interviewing some of the unsung heroes from the African-American community, our goal is to bring balance to the negative narratives that are currently being shared. Once again, every Saturday at 5 p.m., Changing Narratives with Brother Jack. Did you know that you could donate that unwanted car, boat, truck, or motorcycle to KKFI Radio? 
and get a tax deduction for your donation? Find out more by calling KKFI at 816-931-3122 and ask for the development director. City Community Radio Urban Connections is the program. I'm your host, Donna Wolf, in the studio with me today, Bird Fleming, Traditional Music Society, and what we're hearing now is Sounds of Africa, right, Bird? Yes, uh huh. Talk about what we're hearing. Yeah, this was a selection that was played at our showcase two years ago. Okay. And uh, I think. Sounds of Africa is mostly noted for their djembe drumming and dun-dun drumming from the Malinke people. But we do other things, too. <laughs> and uh, so this particular thing is an Afro-Haitian selection. Mm-hmm. All right, if you can get those headphones right. They kind of flip up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. <laughs> so this particular selection uh, is called Ebo. And interesting enough, the guy who's leading it, his name is Ebo, Baba Ebo Falai. He's one of our visiting artists. He came to Kansas City as a visiting artist only for like a summer, ended up spending about five years. So he's still, oh, yeah? he's an integral part of TMS, very important. He's a wealth of knowledge of drumming from around the world. He's kind of like me. Mm-hmm. There's some things we share alike because he studied Afro-Cuban music. He studied a little djembe, Malinke stuff. He studied Haitian stuff, like me. There's some things I don't know that mm-hmm. he doesn't know. Things that he know it, I don't know. Okay. So this is great. So he brought this piece to us from Haiti. Mm-hmm. And that's another style I study, you know, in addition to the other ones. And uh, so this particular Nyko piece uh, is a uh, representative of the people from Dahomey, now called Benin, and they were the ones who inhabited Haiti. That's and, interesting. Yeah, and, and uh, they have a whole 
cultural history just like the Cubans do mm-hmm. with their drumming and their religion and their spirituality, you know, that goes to voodoo, mm-hmm. all right, or voodoo. Americans like to say voodoo, it's voodoo. Okay. You know, it's a difference. Teach. Yeah, and, and, and people shy away from that word, but it, it means the supreme being. Yeah. That's what it means. And it ain't got nothing to do with Hollywood in terms of sticking pins in a doll and chants yeah. and all that. That yeah. is Hollywood. weird. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> nothing to do with that. Absolutely. The only, and the thing about it is that you got to understand the Haitian people have been, as Bob Ebo say, played to the left for years. Mm. <laughs> and it's, and, uh, um, but their rich drumming and dancing tradition has survived just like the Cuban survived. And the reason why I survived in Haiti is because they started a revolution. Mm-hmm. They well, kicked, that's why they've been so reviled and played to the left. Exactly. Oh, yeah. The, the world don't like them to this very day because of that. You're, thinking, day. you're talking about the only African nation in the Western Hemisphere who revolted and threw the colonialists out of their country. Mm-hmm. These people in Haiti, they fought against three empires. The French the Spaniards and the Americans, because they were all trying to mm-hmm. fight them to mm-hmm. quell the revolution. There's a whole history about that. And they but you, won. Yeah, and they won. <laughs> yeah. Twelve years, but they won. Yeah. And the weird thing about it is the French wanted the Haitians to pay money for the revolution. Aren't well, they we, still paying isn't think, Haiti still paying reparations I think it was to some, France? They, yep, to some degree. Yeah. That's the reason why they're in such economic turmoil for two whole century and a half. Yeah, okay? we do a whole Go figure that. But what held them together was their spirituality, was mm-hmm. voodoo. Okay. Again, you have this winter festival mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, traditional music society, world music and dance uh, showcase on December 2nd, Saturday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. at St. Mark's Hope and Peace Peace Church, 3800 uh, 3800 Troost Avenue. That's Troost Avenue at Mannheim Road. Um, Here's the phone number, 816-561-1800. Four nine. That's eight one six five six one one eight four nine. More information available there, and also at traditional music society. dot org. That's traditional music society. dot org. Now this is like a Middle Eastern focused mm-hmm. music event. Talk about the connection between West African and Middle Eastern yeah, well, traditional music. Right. Well, you know, the African diaspora, in my opinion, is the world. Mm-hmm. This is true. <laughs> Everybody think about the West African diaspora as being Oh, the Caribbean, Haiti, mm-hmm. and Because uh, I'm seeing Trinidad. a lot of black folks over there in Palestine. Oh, my God, tell me about it. And they think it's Brazil only, mm-hmm. you know, da-da-da-da-da. But they are all over the world, okay? And and you got to understand, you know, that, uh, you know, you got to believe, you got to understand and believe in the out of Africa theory, oh, I can't talk with you. <laughs> that the fact that 70,000 years that there was a tribe that migrated out of East Africa 
and migrated all over the world. And there's a book, there's a book called The uh, Journey of Man mm -hmm. by an English guy who did scientific DNA testing mm -hmm. to find out this particular tribe's DNA is found in every human in the earth, mm -hmm. the Eskimos, the Swedish, mm -hmm. the Germans, the French, mm -hmm. the Chinese, this DNA is in all of them. Mm -hmm. So you gotta understand that first of all before I talk to you. And if people travel, <laughs> They bring what with them? They bring their food. They bring their music. Mm -hmm. You can see how the music and the drums and all of the instrumentation has permeated and traveled all over the world. Oh, okay. This drum they play in the Middle East is called a dumbek. Looks like a little mini djembe drum. Okay. They play this thing called a oud, mm -hmm. which is a little three or four string instrument. It has a big old back and a crook neck that's supposedly Middle Eastern only. That came from this instrument in Africa called the Ingone. Mm -hmm. The West African culture are phenomenal string players. Okay. They have all kinds, from the Kora, also the Ingone. The banjo has a re origins in West Africa. Mm -hmm. Okay, come on. Mm -hmm. You find string instruments on the murals and the walls of Egypt. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. so. You Which is in Africa, by the way. Uh, the last time we checked. The last time we checked. So I'm talking to Africa. these people who are part of this Middle Eastern community. I said, okay. So Middle East, in the term belly dancing is a misnomer. That's something the French gave them. It's called Rick. Rick. Dance Rick. And that was, this dance was a part of a woman's rites of passage expression in Egypt. And the same, all kinds of rites of passage for men and women is a, is a, is a mainstay for all African cultures. Mm -hmm. They are big on rites of passages for men and women. So, and they make a connection between all of those, even linguistically, the languages of Egypt is connected to Wolof in West Africa. Mm -hmm. These people travel. See, you have to understand that linguistically there's a relationship, musically there's a relationship, and in terms of the complexions of people. Genetically. Duh. So, mm -hmm. so this, this dance, uh, Middle Eastern dance, has traveled from Egypt all over to Turkey, to Greece, to Saudi Arabia, Rome, Italy, all over. Mm -hmm. It takes on different styles now. Yeah, it's sure. become a very showy thing now. Mm -hmm. So the folklore has lost. Mm -hmm. I studied the folklore, all right? I studied the folklore because to me, all this stuff has meaning, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to these people, and I think I said we should understand that, put things into context. Oh, sure, it can be entertaining. I get that, but there's a story behind it. Mm -hmm. Just like there's a story behind um, Brazilian samba dancing. There's a story behind rumba dancing. There's a story behind Haitian dancing. These express these things are telling story about these people. So the Middle Eastern dancing is no different. You know, is representing the ocean, the wind, animals. Which is every, everywhere. Duh. It's universal. So, yeah, so this thing, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was something that, so the big history about this, and I think that newer people who come into these art forms are just tapping into the surface of it, you know. Uh. And so to them it's just entertainment. But I'm about entertainment. Ah, uh, okay. So... So I make it a point now to, you know, to, to carry this on. I think that we as a community should 
pay reverence, uh, pay, uh, uh, give recognition to the people who really uh, uh, responsible for all these music and all this dance around the world. Okay. And I think that you should look at things in a different light. You know, Africans are probably the most, uh, you know, been played to the left more than any people in the universe. I dare okay. say that's a whole nother show. But it's show, but in all of these people who are taking so, taking so well to African drumming and African music and African, these people, they have to really have a whole paradigm shift in terms of how they express in that. And I'm saying this to all these people who really are, 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 are new into the cultural expression okay. to really recognize because uh, you know, it's, it's time. Okay. Well, Bird, that, that does it for our hour. It flew just by. Talk so much. <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> this is uh this is what this platform I is. I appreciate for. it. I really appreciate 100, it. Hundred thousand watt megaphone out to the community so people can hear this knowledge and um mm-hmm. and learn and grow. Thank you so much, Bird Fleming <laughs> Traditional Music Society Winter Concert. Saturday, December 2nd, traditionalmusicsociety.org. Phone number 816-561-1849, 2 p.m. December 2nd. Thanks so much. Thank you. And can't wait to have you back again next time. Appreciate it. All right, we'll talk some more. Okay. And everybody, please stay tuned at the top of the hour uh, because we got Brother Brown sitting in for Brother Jay on another edition of Changing Narratives.